There's still an enormous level of care that goes into the packing. You know, I still worry about the food going out like I do when it's in the dining room. I imagine them eating it and I imagine them unpacking it. I haven't lost the connection to that. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. With restrictions easing, many operators are quietly calculating when the best time may be to open. With the threat of a possible second wave and many reverting to alternate revenue streams, striking a balance between maintaining some revenue and finally swinging the doors open again is proving challenging. Many are wondering what to hold on to. Others are planning a new beginning. Catherine Russick is the chef and owner of Colenso Restaurant in the Victorian town of Kyneton. Catherine, how are you? Oh, I'm well, thanks, Anthony. I um, am enjoying the sunshine and a quiet day today. Uh, well, that sounds nice. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful for what we do have, yeah. I wonder if we can start, I know a lot of things have changed for you and for everyone, but could you just uh, run through what everything was like just before the pandemic and the impact that it had on your restaurant and on you? Yeah, sure. Look, uh, that the weeks leading up to closure, which is March 21st, was um, I'd been thinking hard. I'd been awake in the middle of the night uh, listening to the news, knowing that uh, things were bound to change. And I, I think I decided then that I wanted to... Uh, make my decisions and make some changes before I had to. Um, those weeks leading up, we'd had a beautiful, beautiful in-house um, guest chef on March 8th, so the Monday, and then it was like the mood was just like free fall, I guess. Uh, that week was just so quiet and so uncertain and then I felt that we had guests that were coming in almost just to, because they felt they should or because maybe they wondered when would they go out again. And, and so actually those sort of two weeks leading up to March 21st became quite consistent of sort of a safe number of guests every night. Um, but it was strange. It felt strange uh, and people were very, yeah, they, were, they our guests felt like they were worried about us, which is not really the kind of, it's not really, the, <laughs> it's not the magic we're about. When, you know, the decision, I guess, the 21st was when you stopped um, cooking for people in the restaurant. What, what was it that you did? Can you tell us about those next couple of weeks and, and how you dealt with that situation? Yeah, I felt like I didn't want to be... Um, a deer in the headlights. Uh, I, I, I was worried. Um, the Thursday before, I sat up overnight, like the whole night. I sat up all night. My family weren't with me, and I hatched a plan for how we could keep. I, I suppose what I thought about is what can we keep, and I, I was worried about our safety. The last thing I want in our dining room 
is the thought that people could become unwell. There was still, you know, there was a, a lot of things unknown. There's still a lot of things unknown about the virus, but I knew that I didn't want my beautiful little dining room to be considered a space that was unsafe. So I actually didn't want to, I, I really, it sounds strange, but I did not want to have people in there anymore. And so I thought, how can we bring all the things that we do, so beautiful, flavorful food um, purchased from people I know, and take it to our guests and not have them come in and gather. That that's um, I, yeah, I was focused on what I could hang, what what pieces of the restaurant could I hang on to. And I, I actually thought I could hang on to everything, really, but but the bit where they come to your place. <laughs> so you, <laughs> you designed and sort of a eating at home model to you know p- prepared meals essentially for people who would normally come into the restaurant, but you didn't you didn't do t- a takeaway model. Can you tell us why that is? Uh, that feeling of not wanting people to leave their homes I I sort of I guess I'm a quick adopter that if you have to stay home except for work and I love work so I didn't want to stay home I wanted to keep going to work but I wanted our guests to stay home and I actually thought okay um a lot of our guests travel to the restaurant because of course I'm in a regional area and they live out on properties and uh, it's not going to fly, it's not going to suit them to come into town to get takeaway. And I'm also on a street where I'm surrounded, my neighbours are really, um, you know, they're takeaway shops. I've, I've got plenty of takeaways around. I just didn't feel I could jump into that pool and be accepted in a way, <laughs> like talk about um, – and it was nothing. It was nothing. Sort of like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm. I will turn my hand to many things, and I, so it wasn't a hesitancy that way. I just really felt, from a business perspective, it would not touch the sides, and it would not keep me um, in business. It wouldn't keep my staff in their homes. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to do something that, and I called it a subscription food service because I wanted the notion that it would be there would be uh, repetition to it, that it was something that you could do every week and that it would cost, there would be a similar, there would be a minimum spend to that like I know what our minimum spend or what our average spend is in the dining room and I just felt it was something that I could very quickly uh, gather what the numbers were. I could very quickly gather who uh, our diners were and then I could communicate with them and find out, actually, what do we need? What do you need at the moment? Because I didn't want to leave service behind. I really wanted to know what they needed. What's it been like developing this model and cooking for them so that they can enjoy it at home? And it isn't the restaurant experience, but it's a different experience. You're packing things up. You're not putting things mm. on plates. What, yeah. Could you compare them? Yeah. Um, look, I'll say it's been exhilarating in many ways. It's been, I, I've loved sort of saying, oh, that those dishes that I do, they don't, they're not going to work for, um, it's a very different um, form of food preparation. I'm really looking at making sure that things are laid out, cooled properly, beautifully presented, packaged with care. And then at the same time, sometimes I'll just go, oh, 
they love that steak that we did with the herb butter and the, and the cherry tomato compote. I'll pop that in as well. So we've really tried to strike a balance that for our subscribers there's something in there that um, brings them back to the restaurant. Like recently I had a, a winemaker want a dinner for two at home so I just popped a link to a, a playlist. <laughs> so there's sort of things that I have done. There's things that I have done to remind them that uh, that there's a sort of a reference to the food that arrives in boxes. <laughs> but I think, I think um, yeah, there's still an enormous level of care that goes into the packing of what we do. And I know that that's not the same as putting it on a, a it, you know, it so lacks the theatre. But I worry about it when it leaves. I still have that sort of, oh, gosh, did I say in the instructions to let that rest or, or oh, did, you know, I still worry about the food going out like I do when it's in the dining room. Like I, yeah, I have those thoughts of I imagine them eating it and I imagine them unpacking it. It's I, I still I haven't lost the connection to that. I, I actually have loved um it's really sweet we on days where we deliver we send a text to let our subscribers know um when their delivery is is due to arrive and it's really sweet they all answer (laughs) (laughs) so so we haven't actually we haven't lost in in fact I would say we've even got a a greater connection I mean we know where they live they they they've got my mobile number like there's a real there's actually a really lovely level of communication and I have cherished their I cherish their feedback I yeah it's and I've had a little look at the you know who our customers who I now refer to as subscribers because it's all done online and even though I'm familiar with some of them I would say it's only half of our um 70 plus subscribers that were actually regular diners wow which really surprises me so it sort of speaks to um I I have really loved learning what it is that people are using our service for like it's not just they're not wanting to actually replicate a restaurant experience at home because I think people you know that's limited and but but they've got oh my my mum you know is at home and she doesn't uh she's never been one for cooking I'm going to get this for her as a gift or um I'm uh, there's families that get they'll get a subscription but they'll get one for a family member that lives a, a, a lot further away and then they sort of compare notes or they have dinner together. There's people who are studying that it's just like, oh, I just wanted this part of my life taken off my list for this week so I can just focus, I can just hit the books. Um, there's people, definitely people with young families who had their own work deadlines and then they were supervising their children <laughs> who are homeschooling and, you know, imagine you've been at your desk, you've had your children at your desk, you've had Zoom meetings in your, at your kitchen table and then you turn around at night and, oh, now we need to put a meal on the table. And I've loved that people have said, yeah, we just, we just need a little bit of um, uh, luxury but also ease of, you know, ease of something's got to give in the day and they've loved being able to pull out a really beautiful meal. 
How has this uh, new sense of connection with the community, um, how's that been for you in this period and how does it make you feel? Um, I, I feel really, I feel very good about it, but I have, you know, this is our 11th year in uh, the Macedon Ranges and I feel like we run a um, pretty connected little business anyway with lots of um, ripples. I, th- I, never, I don't ever think of the business as a, a ladder. I think of it as a web or little ripples out, in, out into a pool. I, I feel so um, part of the development of the subscriber service was I did think a lot about Oh, hang on! What about what about MacIver Farms? I buy X amount of pork. What about you know? What about the guys at Azuri? I buy X amount of cheese. You know, we've got. I've, I buy. I only really buy food from people I know, and they would. St- I and I remember in those early days, just calling them and Are we on? Like, are you making stuff? And they're like, Yeah, we're we're we're. Yeah, come and get it. And so, because in the restaurant, it's, it's small what I do. I have a you know a, a micro business really, um, and I get all the food into my restaurant myself. I don't grow a lot. I grow bits and pieces, and I grow you know I've got a lovely orchard, and but I, I tend to um, buy really specialised, really beautiful products, and they were all. They were all like, they couldn't believe that I was calling. They were like, what? You? What, what are you doing? And it's like, well, I need food. I've got, I've got customers. I need food. And that was, that was beautiful. That was so, I've been really fortunate to be in touch with, um, uh, my husband works in a restaurant where there's a, a large Italian community. Um, I've got Italian suppliers and I've, feel that I was actually quite fortunate very early on for uh, to really hit home that a lot of people that I knew were worried about um, the safety of their friends and family and that people were actually dying. And I don't think that was ever – I think that was really um, powerfully in my imagination of how bad things could get. And – uh, yeah, I felt I actually felt quite. Um, I'm very, very grateful that we're not in that situation, but I'm also very cautious. Like I, I don't feel. I feel right now like I wish to sit tight and just. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of fast moves in those early weeks, and I've been working not only just really hard in the kitchen, but. Um, Mentally, I've been racing and I feel that I've reached a point like in those early days, it was a day at a time and then it was, okay, whew, we got through that week. I'm still counting the weeks um, and now it's a week at a time and but I am starting to think about things and this is going to sound so whack. I'm starting to think about Christmas. So, <laughs> so Sorry. Surely that's a long way off still. <laughs> yeah, but I'm actually I'm I, I I think I need I think I need those big um, uh, markers in the year. You know, I'm so used to 
even though we have a really small, a tiny team, it's myself, my um, partner Hal and our mate D Rebecca and my children, like that's our team. And um, I, I'm so used to saying, okay, we've got this coming up, we've got that coming up. You know, I map out the year, I do my little schedule, my marketing or my socials or whatever. I still do all that kind of stuff and to have a big sort of, okay, how, how am I going to do this? It really, it, I don't know, it's a little a happy motivator, I guess. Now, just before you were talking about the people that you source food from, you know, you know them, you know, what, what, what has been the impact on the producers in, in your region and on what's so great about the food in that region? Yeah, uh, well, we've lived up here for 15 years and it's just getting better. Uh, what's so great about the food in the region? Uh, I think it's specialised. So there's a lot of producers that, you know, um, uh, walnuts, someone just, Bundaroo, they just do walnuts. I've got a beautiful new um, goat milk yogurt and cheese producer called Dreaming Goat. I, I think I think land prices probably affect um that people think they can have an enterprise it's close enough to the city such that they can have a supported income during those early days uh, but I think there's a lot of energy for it I think there's a lot of energy for um, foods of place and we I mean we've got we've got such a beautiful um, wine industry here that has that feels very next generation at the moment with exciting producers that are e- have either just um, you know moved into the next generation so there's a younger winemaker stepped in from perhaps their parents uh, yeah there's there's, there's just a uh, you know how sometimes you know schools do it all kinds of places go through a time where it feels like a bit of a, a golden era and I think the Macedon Rangers is in a golden era like it's a, it feels I, I mean I'm very lucky that I get to Tuesdays and Fridays I'm not kidding during this whole time I've just been marveling at the beauty of our region because I'm driving down these crazy back roads thinking what am I doing did I agree to deliver here like a bump 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 but but yeah there's a lot of and and how are our producers doing I actually think they're uh on uh, they haven't they've I'm sure sales dropped initially as everyone sort of was like okay what are we doing how are we but community-supported agriculture, I think, has been a pillar for a lot of um, primary producers and that that uh, has been a, sta- a very stable um, component to their business. Um, of course, their, their restaurant sales dropped off, but, I mean, probably find one of the things I've found a little bit um, heartbreaking about the industry that I work in is that... Um, I think primary producers have probably become and learned to become less dependent on restaurants because uh, at times we show ourselves to be unreliable and that might be from, you know, oh, you're dazzled by a certain meat cut and then or a certain ingredient and then the next thing comes along and you no longer want those pork bellies or you no longer want that samsur or you no longer, you know, I mean, we, we have, uh, we have a, a reputation for being um, fickle and in some, in some ways we, 
we demand um, more than we pay, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so how important are these relationships with producers for you and what you do at the restaurant? They are the heart of what I do. I have a supplier dinner every year. Um, I speak with my suppliers regularly. Uh, they're real. It's, it, uh, I can't do what I do without them. Um, and it's the idea that I buy food from people I know is precious to me. I uh, really value just everyday connections. They're not my friends. They don't come around to my house, but we have a real regard for each other. I admire um, and appreciate and I do understand the intensity of the work that they do. Um, yeah, and they're, and it takes a long time. You, can, you don't just, you don't, and I think sometimes people don't think of the, the time when what happens when you start buying a product and everything's going well and then it slips or there's a fall in stand. Like I have pretty difficult conversations with suppliers sometimes and, uh, and you need to work out how to build that back or how to really develop a respectful long game rapport. And I've got that with, yeah, it's, it's my network. So you've started the home, the home model, the eat at home model. Um, and, you know, Victoria is going to start to open up very shortly when they're easing the restrictions and allowing people to come back into restaurants. Um, but at the moment, um, you don't have any plans to open and you, you posted something quite beautiful in regards to the dining room the other day on Instagram where you said, when the season calls, we will wake her up in regards to the dining room and the restaurant. Hmm. You know, what, what, is, what is the feeling for the restaurant at the moment and your plans? Uh, yeah, and it is a feeling and it's genuinely how I feel. I, I feel I want to sit tight. I feel I would like, um, yeah, I'm, there's an, there's an unknown for me and I, I just can't read, um, and no one can, how, uh, our consume, how are consumers feeling about a return to that setting? Um, I do have, I do, and, and also a really uh, like a, a brass tax business thing is I can't afford to do it twice. So I, I, it would, I would find it so difficult to lead into an opening only to have to, you know, deconstruct that. I, I just, I just don't, yeah, I find it really, um, yeah, the energy involved in that would be enormous. And I, yeah, I just don't feel ready and I'm prepared to, I, I, I really um, busted a move and I'd like to, I'd like to see my colleagues open up. I'd like to see, you know, I'm not, have, I don't have any uh, feelings that I would hesitate to go out to dine, not, not anything like that. I, I do plan to um, invite my subscribers to use the dining room in a private capacity as an invitation only, so they're guests in our dining room, and I have structured a way for them to enjoy that. I've, I've actually, you know, got a bit of a roadmap for a whole a different style of service uh, where they come into tables that are laid and 
a, a bar selection that's already laid out on a very beautiful drinks cart for them to help themselves and then actually switch table for the next course when they're ready. Um, so I've, got a, I've developed a way of serving our dining room which would mean uh, no contact with our guests uh, and, and I, do, I do plan to do that but I don't have a date set for that and I just I really feel in my heart that I'd just like to sit tight and uh, you know let the dust settle. Has this experience uh, shed new light on restaurants or do you feel like you'll do something different with the restaurant because of what's happened? Oh yeah for sure for sure I mean it's you know it yeah, I do. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know whether I'll. I, I don't know whether I'll make it out of this. Like we're we're in a good position now. Um, I I plan to I plan to continue, but I I do not know. We none of us know what uh, what September October what those yeah. There's some key dates ahead, but yes, of course I assess. Uh, whether and I, I think about you know the word sustainable gets thrown around a lot, um, but I I think of sustainable in terms of, of course there's all those um, you know in terms of how we use energy or how we um, what type of foods we use, but there's also whether it's something that I wish to do every day. Is that something I wish to do every day? Is that sustainable? Is how I'm working right now sustainable for me? Um, you know, I think the only thing that pushed me to continue in the way that I did, like I just, um, I ask a lot of myself, I ask a lot of my children, I, I just couldn't when, oh yeah, things got difficult so I stopped. So it just wasn't an option for me to stop but I do actually have an option now to survey the landscape and have a really good look and, and a a proper, I've got a chance to sit in it is what I call it. So I'm just going to sit in it and, and have a look around and stay well. That's what I really want to do. Do you think this eat at home model that you've created will continue once the restaurant is open up again? Uh, I'd have to look at another crew to do that. I'd have to look at hiring. Um, I think, I think I could do, uh, yeah, I could, I could definitely do both. Uh, it would ma it would mean changing delivery days and having a very succinct offering uh, for the times of the week when people want to eat out. So I'd move to weekends only, perhaps. I mean, I've all I, I've pretty much stayed true to the ethos of the restaurant. Anyway, we've always been a really small menu or set menu offering. I've always been really big on like no waste. I'm a, I'm really tight when it comes to knowing exactly how much food we use so yeah they they are compatible yeah yeah they are what's been the positives to come out of this situation for you uh i've taken stock that i'm very i i, I swim in a very nice pool <laughs> um i've got good people around <laughs> i do <laughs> i've got really good people around me uh i have got very reliable um people around me my my family are great supporters I probably spent more time with my um adult children like just in terms of all being in the house all the time um yeah yeah there's 
thinking about the best thing the best things to come out of it for me yeah taking stock I guess it just it really uh, reconnecting with expressing your ethos clearly I've become a lot more my messages are a lot more clear I think about who I am and what I do with the travel uh, restrictions easing and the sort of opening up of society and your business and town is reliant on tourism in a way you know how do you feel about tourists returning to town ah oh, I feel really good about that like I I I am so, I'm so grateful to have been uh, in the Macedon Ranges the whole time and I can imagine how wonderful it would be to have your eyes cast to a far horizon if you've been in an apartment or you've been in the middle of a city. Um, and there's so many opportunities for uh, people to get out and about in our region, whether that's... Um, at parks or at cellar doors where it'll be so easy to have um, physical distancing. I don't like to call it social distancing. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm feeling good about people being able to get out and, and into the surrounds. It's, it's, good for the, it's good for you. Well, I hope they all um, make their way to town and hopefully you've opened the doors fairly soon and welcome them back in. Um, really appreciate you spending the time today. Um, please keep in touch and thanks again for having a chat with us today. Well, thank you. I'm, and I'm really enjoying uh, what you're doing, that um, news from the outside world. I, I've been pretty head down and, uh, yeah, deep in my own thing. So I'm, I'm really grateful for all the conversations you've had. Well, thanks, Catherine. Um, talk soon. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.